So last week we talked about why do we exist and all the different ways that we ask that question and how that, that really has been a fundamental question for humans since the beginning, since the beginning of humanity. And today we're looking at why is life so hard? Because just after, just after that question of why do we exist automatically seems to come this question of why is there pain and suffering in the world? Why when I try to do everything that's right, it still doesn't seem to go right? Why can't things be easier? We ask this question in a multitude of ways. We are getting at things like, well, what is this? in the biblical text about sin and what is this about evil we get this whether it's in science with philosophers we get it with doctors we get it on numerous levels of trying to figure out what in the world is going on why is this so hard why do we make the decisions that we make sometimes they make our life much harder right we ask these questions because of the way that we observe life. And so in every aspect, and as long as we've asked why do we exist, we've also asked the questions about pain and suffering and the difficulty and the challenges. And today, as we look through the biblical text, we actually are gonna look at Genesis 3, right? We just looked at the creation story and immediately following the creation story is this, why is life so hard? And here's a, a, a rendition of that. We're also gonna look at some words of Jesus. And really we're gonna focus more there on Jesus' words because it is this sense of recognition of here are all the things that do happen. And so how do we not only start to question and get a sense of why life is hard, why things are difficult, why there is pain, why there is suffering in this world, whether we've caused it or not, and how do we kind of move through it? So for today, we are gonna start in Matthew, the 24th chapter, verses four through six. Jesus replied, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ. They will deceive many people. You will hear about wars and reports of wars. Don't be alarmed, these things must happen, but this isn't the end yet. Genesis 3, 14 through 15. The Lord God said to the snake, because you did this, you are the one who cursed, the one cursed out of all of the farm animals, out of all the wild animals. On your belly you will crawl, and dust you will eat every day of your life. I will put contempt between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. They will strike your head, but you will strike at their heels. All right, so... Kind of what to know about what Jesus is saying first out of Matthew is that his language is very, very, um, it's bold. It, it's kind of meant to jar us a little. It's meant to get our attention because it is language that is revealing something new to us and also about how do we move through beginnings and ends. And his language here really is also about stating kind of this is the reality that we live in. Watch out that no one deceives you. 
you gotta watch out. People are gonna lie, right? People are gonna try to deceive and they do it for a multitude of reasons, right? And maybe when we automatically think of people who lie in deception, we think of kind of a higher institutional level, corporation, nation kind of level. But the fact of the matter is, right? Even on a smaller scale in our everyday, Every day, we have people who lie and deceive for numerous reasons. Sometimes they do it because they're doing it to themselves. And maybe we've even had that experience where we kind of lie to ourselves, make us feel a little bit better about ourselves or about the decisions that we make. So this statement of watch out that no one deceives you, be careful. Be careful of that deception out there. Be careful of those lies. But it's not just out there, but it's in our kind of everyday, even in ourselves, contemplation. And then Jesus says, many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. They will deceive many people. Okay, so a whole bunch of people are going to show up and be like, I can save you. I've got you. I'm going to fix all your problems. And we've heard this. We may not have called them saviors, or they may not have taken that name of saviors, but we have people who show up in the form of corporations, in the form of leaders, who are like, I will save you, I will make your life everything that you want it to be. They are going to make promises, right? Make promises of, if you just come and follow me, if you just give me some money, for $9.95, I will help you get, I will solve whatever it is, right? So be careful, because they will deceive. And then this, you'll hear about wars and reports of wars. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be conflict, and wars are going to begin, and we know that wars begin between people because of power, because of greed, because of hatred, because of fear, right? And so Jesus has really given us a sense of, yeah, this kind of goes on, right? You've got people who are willing to lie and deceive. You've got people who are willing to say, hey, I can save you. Just follow me. I can help make your life great for and we also have this sense that people get into conflict on a massive scale, right? Wars, you're talking millions of people. And we have had wars in this world where millions of people have died. And so to think about the fact that this stuff goes on, this really complicated and difficult stuff goes on, but Jesus doesn't leave us there. He says, don't be alarmed. It's like, um, Okay, um, the fact that we feel like life is falling apart, that people are doing things that are shady, that we feel like things are not getting any better, but hey, don't be alarmed. And so we may be like, um, okay, Jesus, all right. And he then says, these things must happen, but it isn't the end yet. That sometimes when this kind of thing is going on, maybe with this pandemic, we feel like, is it all just going to fall apart? Is it all just going to collapse? And we begin to get into that line of thinking, well, maybe it's the end. And here's what's kind of important to know. Every generation, every single generation since humans have been able to write and convey this notion that we think every generation is the last generation. We think it's going to be the end because of signs that we see, right? But this isn't the end yet. 
This isn't the end yet. So before we feel like it's all just really falling apart and just kind of getting worse, to go, well, wait a minute, it isn't the end yet. What, what kind of do we mean by that? And Genesis 3 here, Genesis 3 really kind of gives us a sense of what Jesus is saying about there is hardship. Genesis 3 now is hitting more on the, it's because of the decisions we make by focusing upon the serpent. Hey, serpent, you chose deception, so here are the consequences for what you did. Because you did this, you are the one cursed out of all the farm animals, out of all the wild animals. On your belly you will crawl, and dust you will eat every day of your life. I will put contempt between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. They will strike your head, but you will strike at their heels. There are consequences for the decisions that we make, for the way that we engage. In fact, those consequences may go further, much further than a single moment. And they may go much further then just it impacts me but it, it may impact like a ripple effect it may impact generations and so to think about that to think about how the things that we do the things that we say they all have consequences whether good or bad and so to think through when we're feeling like life is kind of hard when we're like well yeah but you're trying to deceive and, and you're trying to do that well I'm not that but to realize that our consequences our consequences have an impact and sometimes that impact goes far beyond ourselves Continuing on in verses 7 through 8 of Matthew 24. Nations and kingdoms will fight against each other, and there will be famines and earthquakes in all sorts of places. But these things are just the beginning of the sufferings associated with the end. Again, some of that in language. Genesis 3.16, to the woman he said, I will make your pregnancy very painful. In pain you will bear children. You will desire your husband, but he will rule over you. All right. So backing up and looking at still what Jesus is saying, nations and kingdoms will fight against each other. They're still going to go at each other. People are going to make a decision. They're going to say, I hate you. I fear you. I don't like you. I want your land. I want power. I want more money. And so they're going to go at it. And there will be famines and earthquakes in all sorts of places. Famines and earthquakes. Okay. So famines and earthquakes, we're like, well, that's not really a decision we make. That's, that's a natural disaster. And, and natural disasters happen because we live on a planet that has climate patterns. It has weather patterns. We live on a planet that has tectonic plates that shift and move. Now, sometimes we choose to live in areas where we know mm, it's a little more dangerous, it's a little more risky. We choose to live in areas where maybe it's prone to flooding or it's on a fault line or it's, it's in the path of many hurricanes. We choose to, some of us choose to take that risk. And so we then, right, we've made a choice and there are consequences to that choice. But a recognition a recognition that yes there is hardship whether it's someone else choosing us choosing or it just naturally happens because we live on a planet that is living and breathing 
And so to think about that, that we feel that hardship in a multitude of ways, just like with the pandemic, right? It's a virus. A virus is living. Viruses have been around longer than humans, it seems, right? Bacteria has been around longer than humans. And so this thing that in some ways is natural still is detrimental and challenging and life is hard. And here the Genesis 3 passage. He said to the woman, I will make your pregnancy very painful. In pain you will bear children. You will desire your husband, but he will rule over you. So Genesis 3 is a recognition. It's not... <laughs> Some have taken it, well, that's the way it's supposed to be. I'm, I'm supposed to rule over. I'm, you're supposed to be in pain. No, Genesis 3 is a recognition of the circumstances that people find themselves in. And sometimes they are by our choices, and sometimes they are not. But we're still getting at that sense of things being hard because of what we choose or because of someone else. Continuing on in verses 9 through 10. They will arrest you, abuse you, and they will kill you. All nations will hate you on account of my name. At that time, many will fall away. They will betray each other and hate each other. Genesis 3, 17 through 19. To the man he said, because you listened to your wife's voice and you ate from the tree that I commanded, don't eat from it. Cursed is the fertile land because of you. In pain you will eat from it every day of your life. Weeds and thistles will grow for you even as you eat the field's plants. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread until you return to the fertile land since from it you were taken, you are soil, and to the soil you will return. All right, so here, here Jesus goes, all right, we've moved from up here of others making decisions, uh, a level of nations, uh, a level of uh, hate and fear that kind of gets a culture, a society wrapped up into it. But here he moves to the individual. They will arrest you, abuse you, and they will kill you. So he's talking to the apostles right here. And the apostles, what you need to know about the apostles, all of them die in pretty horrific deaths. And they die because they are going out and they are teaching, they are trying to encourage people to live the way of Jesus. They are trying to encourage people to change their hearts and lives. And other people get really scared by what they are saying. So that even though they're trying to do something good and they're trying to do something right and they're trying to give people another way of living and being in the world, there are going to be others who are like, I don't want any part of that and I am going to hate you for it and I will kill you for it. We generally see this on a, a little bit lesser scale. Sometimes we see it on this of where someone is trying to do the right thing. They really are and it needs to be done, but it's not popular what they are trying to do that's right and maybe we've even been in that position of trying to make the right decision and it's not the popular one and so people come at us people say mean things people can be cruel people can can make all kinds of statements can make our life more difficult 
even when we are trying to do the right thing. Life is hard, whether that is because of other people's decisions, because of our own, even when we are trying to do the right thing, even when we are trying to provide and survive. So this whole thing about how difficult life is for Adam, and Adam is living through some consequences because of the choices he made, but it's still this like, the don't, uh, curse is the fertile land because of you in pain, you will eat from it every day of your life. Weeds and thistles will grow for you. Even as you eat the fields plants by the sweat of your face, you will eat bread. It's gonna be hard. Surviving is going to be hard. Surviving and providing for self, whether that is eating, whether that is shelter, clean water, clean air, those things can become difficult. And maybe it's because of a decision we made or because of someone else. And so you kind of go, okay, Jesus, right? That things seem kind of bleak. They will betray each other and hate each other. Jesus isn't going to leave us here. But as we think about, as we look through, as every time we ask that question of why is there pain, why is there suffering, why are things so difficult, when we start to ask those questions, how often do we take a pause and go, well, actually, it's because this person or that thing made, that entity made a decision, or because of the decision I made, or the way that I choose to live. And so to begin to take that step back of why is life so hard, what part do we play in making it easier or harder for ourselves? What part does natural disasters play? What part of our living, our living, our questioning is playing into this? So continuing on, in verses 11 through 12 of Matthew 24. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because disobedience will expand. The love of many will grow cold. Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Don't do anything for selfish purposes, but with humility think of others as better than yourselves. Instead, each of each person watching out for their own good Watch out for what is better for others. So often, right? So often life is hard. It's many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because people want to show up and take advantage of others, right? How many scam calls do we get in a day? Yep. And we want to take advantage and sometimes we want to peddle ideas. Sometimes it's because it's all about money. Sometimes it's about control. And we kind of get that. And Jesus talks about it's because disobedience will expand. The love of many will grow cold. And the disobedience here is that sense of we are being disobedient. We are not following. We are not following a God of love. We are not following love your neighbor as yourself. We are not following healing and being present of listening, of trying to do the right thing. It becomes what Philippians really actually gets at. 
It becomes about ourselves. Don't do anything for selfish purposes, but with humility, think of others as better than yourselves. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out for what is better for others. That sense of who are we watching out for? What are we watching out for? Is life hard? Are we feeling like it's hard and falling apart because we are only watching out for ourselves? And here, here's the thing. It's really easy to go, well, I'm going to do that because that's what they do. That's what everybody else is doing. So if they're going to do it, then I might as well do it. And Jesus is like, that's not how this works. Don't let that love grow cold. Don't be that disobedient. Don't, don't be led into, well, if they're not going to think about other people, then why should I? Instead, that challenge is being put forth by Jesus and by a flip Philippians. Don't do anything for selfish purposes, but with humility, think of others as better than yourselves. Instead of each person watching out for their own good, watch out for what is better for others. You want a ripple effect? Start thinking about life this way. Start thinking about our reactions and our interactions with others. Thinking about how we begin to give that out to others. How we begin to give it out, whether or not we get it back, because that's not the point. It's a sense of giving out and changing the way we work in the world, which begins to encourage others, which begins to shift others. Finishing up in Matthew 24, verses 13 through 14. But the one who endures to the end will be delivered. This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations. Then the end will come. Matthew 5, verses 43 through 46 and verse 48. You have heard that it was said, you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who harass you so that you will be acting as children of your Father who is in heaven. He makes the sun rise on both the evil and the good and sends rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even tax collectors do the same? Therefore, just as your heavenly Father is complete in showing love to everyone, so also you must be complete. As we're thinking about and taking that time to go, okay, why is life so hard? Of really picking apart situations instead of just kind of giving up being like, I just want to be on a beach and have somebody waiting on me. I just want the easy button. Let me just push the easy button over and over again. Instead, Jesus is calling to us of asking us to really engage in understanding the part that we play, what is really happening in situations when we feel like there is pain and suffering, when we feel like life is, is hard, when we feel like, you know what, I'm giving my best effort and it doesn't seem to matter. Because there's this sense of endurance. But the one who endures to the end will be delivered. This gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations. Then the end will come. It's that sense of 
when we are enduring, when we are coping in such a way that we are holding on to that love of going, okay, I'm still going to try to make the right decision. I'm still going to try to live my life according to, I'm still going to, no matter what's going around us, it's like a refocusing of we could see it all is just kind of falling apart. We could see about all the bad decisions everybody else makes about how everybody else causes problems for us, or we could take notice and then go, okay, then what's my part? How can I do better? How can I live better? How can I be more concerned about watch out for what is better for others? How can I not let that love grow cold? And then this Matthew passage, where sometimes we feel like our best effort, and it doesn't seem to matter, and we watch other people who maybe are deceptive, maybe are cruel, maybe do really awful things to others, and they seem to get ahead in life, right? They seem to be winning at life. And there's this passage, right, in, in chapter 5. He makes the sun rise on both the evil and the good and sends rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. Sun comes up every morning for all of us. Sun goes down every night for all of us. Sometimes it rains, sometimes it doesn't doesn't matter what we do or don't do God still loves all of us God still cares about all of us and so love your enemies and pray for those who harass you so that you will be acting as children of your father who is in heaven so if we see that the world, and we think that the world is falling apart, that, that pain and suffering seem to be closing in, seem to be the more popular narrative, right? Seem to be the narrative of the day, then we are tasked with pushing against it. We are tasked with loving our neighbors, with loving everyone. Because th there was a popular phrase at the time, right? He's hitting at, you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Jesus is like, no, 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 no. I know that that is really popular. No, that is not what we are doing here. No, we are. Just as your heavenly father is complete in showing love to everyone, so also must, must be, so also you must be complete. So to think about that, to think about when we are trying to navigate these really difficult situations, when we are asking questions about pain and suffering, when maybe we are even getting stuck on being so frustrated with the decisions that other people make that aren't what we want them to make, that actually impact us maybe even negatively. And so we get riled up and we feel like there's no mutuality in this world. We feel like we get that angst and anxiousness and we're like, how dare you make that decision? I'm trying to do the right thing. Jesus is trying to encourage us once again, over and over again, calling to us. That even when we think that there is so much suffering, there are so many problems, there's so much pain, the world must be coming to an end. Right? He said that kind of earlier. We think that this is the sign of the end times, just as people in the ancient days thought that solar eclipses, right, earthquakes meant the end. That even when we feel like maybe we are the last generation, that Jesus is like, hold up, wait a minute. You've still got something to do. You've still got a way to respond. So that when we are asking that question in all of its different forms about why life is so hard, why things are so difficult, 
why people make particular decisions, why we are having to live with the consequences of, it's that sense of we recognize and then we move through. We recognize and we move through with the sense that we can endure, that this isn't all that there is, that the pain and the suffering and the hardship of this world doesn't get to define us. It doesn't get to claim us and hold us and say that's all that you are. But instead, Jesus is pushing us forth in how we live and be with one another, of challenging, challenging that sense of we can make it, we can do it, we can make the right decision, we can live through, we can still follow because the love of God is complete for us and challenge us, challenges all of us for our love to be shown forth. In thinking through some of these major aspects that Jesus is hitting upon, a few philosophers come to mind and we may be like, oh really, didn't they write? But here's the thing, right? People throughout the ages have these sometimes great one-liners that should help us, like give us pause in how we think, how do we move through, how do we understand? Nietzsche says, to live is to suffer, to survive is to find something meaningful in the suffering. Khalil Gibran, the poet, out of suffering has emerged the strongest souls, the most massive characters are seared with scars. Seneca, to bear trials with a calm mind robs misfortune of its strength and burden. So how are we challenged? How are we challenged by this conversation? by what Jesus says, by what even Genesis 3 highlights of trying to explain why life is so hard, why we face these challenges. What about the way forward with Philippians or Matthew 5? Do we find curious as we navigate our everyday, as we are trying to get a hold of, as we are trying to figure out how to move through as we are trying to go, wait a minute, the world really isn't falling apart. How do we begin to think about it? Because like I said, every generation has been in that spot. I even think about like, right, the 1300s with the, with the plague. The 1300s where they didn't know what in the world was going on. They knew that they could walk out their door and a third or even sometimes entire cities were wiped out. It'd be like walking out our doors here in Lincoln Park and 12,000 people laying in the streets and not knowing why. They had no idea that it was the fleas on the rats. And so there are these moments where even when we don't understand, even when we think the last generation, even when we are faced with huge, huge challenges, what is grounding us in how we ask the question? What is giving us a foundation as we try to figure out why there is pain, why there is suffering, and how we move through it? Amen.